Hi, my name is Jen. I'm a holistic nurse practitioner, and I'm here to tell you that your body can heal. I've healed eight different chronic and autoimmune conditions that had me bedridden sick with little hope for my future in my 20s. I've created this podcast to inspire you and give you the tools to heal your body, your mind, your heart, your spirit, and your life. This podcast is for patients, practitioners, and people who want to listen from the place where spirit and science meet. As we heal our body, we have a body that moves well, thinks well, loves well, and that is a body we want to be in for this life to carry out our soul's work. I'm so glad you're here tuning in with us. Now let's get to this week's episode. Um, and it is more like car insurance or homeowner's insurance. So think about that for a second. Your car insurance has no merit on what you do with your car every day. You can pick the gas you want in it. You can decide when you're going to change your tires, if you're going to do oil changes, or maybe if you're not going to do oil changes, you're the one that pays at the end of the day, right? Same with homeowner's insurance. It, it has no place in the daily upkeep of your house or your car. So why then does health insurance have any place in my daily health, how I choose to take care of myself? We really should only be using our insurance like we do with our car insurance and our homeowner's insurance when there's an emergency or when there's a high ticket cost for something. And so here we are, insurance is telling us what meds we can be on. They can tell us when and how we're going to meet with our provider. They're telling us, you know, they have too much control over my body. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They don't care about my body. So why do they have any control over it? And it all is about money at the end of the day. And so um, in this model, we are taking back our power and autonomy again. And it is, um, it is the best feeling I can tell you. I can, I can feel people listening to this in a moment in the future. They're like, burn it down. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Inspire Health by Jen podcast. This week, I have a very special guest with me. Her name is Amanda, and today is just going to be an easy flowing conversation between two nurse practitioners who have left the traditional medical system. Amanda and I were talking before we got on air, and our goal is just to let people know today there's a different way. As she said it best, we're not stuck in the system as a patient, as a provider, and there is a different way. We're going to let you know what it's like to get there. And we're going to hear all about Amanda and how she has left the system. She worked for years and years in traditional family practice and has built up her own practice and is doing a brand new thing. So I'm so excited for her to share how she's done that. And this episode is going to inspire patients, people, practitioners who are looking for something different with their medical care. So without further ado, Amanda, I'm so excited to ask you all the questions and talk about what's gone wrong in our modern medical system. But to start, can you tell us just a little bit about you, who you are, and we can get into your background and your story as a nurse practitioner? Yeah, um, let me just preface this by saying I'm very passionate about this subject. So you may have to cut me off. I don't know if you just want to like wave at me or say, hey, stop, 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 because... 
I'm serious. And I know you're the same. Like I could talk about this for hours. My hands are just like, keep it coming. <laughs> so we yeah, might have a while, but let's, let's get into yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks for having me too. I was really excited and, um, definitely, um, following in your footsteps and you were, um, a big, a big part of my journey last year. Uh, when we reached out, I think we just met on socials. It's so weird to have friends that you just meet on social media that you've never met in person <laughs> and we had so many shared connections and yes. um and I reached out and I was like hey so um I just I want to chat with you about like what you're doing and I did your um your like course that you did you know mm -hmm. over a few weeks or whatever and that was really cool the and, um, for nurses yep it was really good because I was like in that space so to to see somebody else that was like okay Cause you know, so much in the medical field, I feel like we're kind of like gaslighted sometimes. Like if you think outside of the box at all, you're crazy. And then it kind of starts to get to, you're like, okay, is it me? Surely it can't be this bad, you know? And then you start to see, and definitely a pandemic was a catalyst for that. You start to see like, actually, it's not just me. There's a lot of us. And so finding mm -hmm. like-minded people that are sharing that passion and, just like recognizing we got to do this differently was really empowering um, for me. So I am actually um, in my last week at my current practice. So I have been um, with a giant family practice in the Kansas City area. Um, we are um, it combined with a corporate healthcare system. So that has been interesting. It was not like that when I first started working there 15 years ago. Um, a couple of years in is when we kind of partnered with them, which was really common for that time in medicine, where it was like all these smaller clinics and everything that was happening with health insurance. It was like, you couldn't, you couldn't be on your own. You either had to be backed by this giant healthcare system or you were like, they were all kind of going under. Yeah. And so um, it, it saved us, I think at that point, but um, just watching over the last 15 years, the health insurance system and corporate medicine and just all that that like entails just balloon and balloon um, at the expense of us as providers and, and more importantly, at the expense of patients' health. You know, it's not about patients being healthy. And when you're people like us that want to get people healthy, mm -hmm. you're it's, it's not always supported. So we're such a powerhouse and like a force. I'm like, how did you last even this long in the system? But let's take me back to what started your path in nursing and as a nurse practitioner. So I always knew I was going to be a nurse. Um, a really cool story. My grandma was a full-time nurse. So she was 76 years old. Oh my gosh. Isn't that insane? Insane. What kind of um, nurse did she do? she did it all. Like she graduated from one of, I don't want to misspeak, but like, I'm pretty sure it was the very first nursing program at St. Luke's in Kansas city. Yeah. Like when nurses couldn't be married or have kids kind of thing, you know, like yeah. the cap, the dress, all of it. Yeah. Um, and so I have a handful of aunts that are nurses. Um, like we're just kind of all in the medical field. And so I saw that growing up. And I always knew I wanted to be a nurse. Um, I did actually have my daughter when I was 18. So I was a single mom, very young. I always wow. say we grew up together. Um, she's 19 this year, which is awesome. And she's in college and doing her thing, which it's so weird to have like an adult daughter, by the way. Um, but um, so I always knew that's what I was going to do. But then it was like, oh my gosh, I didn't never loved school. Well, 
a conventional school system. And so I was like, I cannot go to college for this long. And so I was working as a para with kids um, with special needs in the elementary school. And I loved it. And I was like, so close to going into doing teaching just for the fact I didn't have to go to school for as long. And then, um, then I found out like, wait, actually nursing is teaching. And, um, I ended up getting into my program, like the first year. And then, then that's kind of how it all started. And I loved pediatrics. I thought I wanted to go into um, pediatrics and my very first job, it was right when Obama had come in. And so the affordable care act and everything was happening all at the same time. And, um, that was a really interesting time, but the job that I wanted, like they went on a hiring freeze and I was like, Oh my God, I need a job. I'm getting married. I have like this little child. And, um, and so I took the first job I could get, which was at my current practice. And, um, we did OB and P. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, you know, I'll get to do a little bit of pediatrics and then I'll go work in the hospital and I'll go do do, like the adrenaline stuff that I want to do. And, um, and it was totally meant to be like, I always say it was a God thing. Um, no matter what your like spiritual connection is, like I was put in that place for a reason. And, um, when I meet people like from that time of my life, they're like, wait, you got a master's? Like you never came to school. Like, how did you go to school for so long? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Times are different when you actually like love what you're doing, you know? Yeah. What do you, I just, this is bringing up so much passion that is still in me for nursing, for nurses and in the entrepreneurial realm now, but oh my gosh, like nurses are a special breed of human beings. Yeah. I like to say, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I'm going to ask you a question that might throw you on your toes, but like nurses take what it need, what you need to have an in intellect, what you need to have in bedside manner, what you need to have in multitasking and like just a hemispheres that can always talk with one another and you put it in a person that their their heart their beating heart on their chest is their patients um what do you think makes a nurse who she is and I know there's a lot especially as nurse practitioners there's a lot of talk like Kansas is independent now um, for nurse practitioners Missouri's not like talk to me about nurses PAs physicians and how are the same how we're how we're different that is a really good question because I get this a lot. I'm in a business networking group and this just popped up recently where one of the guys that's heard me talk like literally once a week for like almost a year didn't even know what I did. And I was like, well, I guess my elevator speech every week on what I'm talking about, like, wow, way over his head. So it was basically like, I do most in, in, in the role that I'm in now in primary care, and even in functional medicine, which I'm sure we'll get to eventually, um, is, uh, you know, I, I function very similarly. Um, and I can write prescriptions, you know, I can diagnose, I can basically function in, in a similar role. Um, I have a lot of patients that are like, Amanda, I don't like saying this, but like, I only like seeing a nurse practitioner. Mm-hmm. And I always think that that's funny. And I think the best way that I kind of try to think about that is, is as nurses, We are trained to go in and teach a patient like the doctor made the diagnosis and the treatment plan. And then our role is to go in and explain it to a patient. Mm -hmm. And so inherently, and I'm just kind of like that anyways, um, inherently, like we spend more time, we explain things. Like if I'm going to go in and say, you should do this, this, and this for your allergies, I'm going to explain why, because I feel strongly people understand why they're doing something. They're going to like, there's a greater compliance, you know? 
And so I think that that is, I think that's pretty true for a lot of patients. There is always that, that patient that you'll get. That's like, well, I want a doctor. And it's like, that does not hurt my feelings at all. Um, you know, I mean, we all have our roles and I have been very, very lucky to be in the practice that I've been at for 15 years. Even now, as I'm transitioning out of there, they have all been so supportive of me. And I could walk into any office with any of the doctors I worked with and ask a question. They would come ask me questions. We would collaborate and like bounce ideas off of each other um, because medicine is an art and you're learning every single day. Yeah. And, you know, so much of medicine is cookie cutter, which I'll get to that because that's probably one of my biggest bars. Yes. Yes. (laughs) It takes the cookie cutter takes the brains out of medicine. I had a physician, a hospitalist say to me not too long ago, he respectfully said, I don't believe nurse practitioners should be independent. They, they should be practicing under physicians. And I said, well, with all due respect, I disagree with you. And he was like, I was like, tell me more about your opinion. He's like, there's really incompetent nurse practitioners. I was like, there's really incompetent physicians too. Like I'll, I'll vouch for both sides. We've worked alongside of people who have learned more of an algorithm or a cookie cutter system instead of like caring about people, finding the root cause, asking questions, thinking deeper. Cause Amanda, I know your school is probably exactly the same. Like what I teach now and what you teach now in functional medicine, like about hormones and root cause medicine and how to heal your body with food. What in school, what I learned is memorize what is wrong. There's a couple of things that can go wrong in these categories and then memorize what drug to give. And that's all you need to know. Or when to refer to higher levels for surgery, like that's what I learned in school. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And Um, you know, I know this is, um, probably a term that isn't always like a positive term, but I feel like a lot of whether you're calling it a medical school, whether you're calling it nursing, I mean, any of those, it's an indoctrination. It really is like you are taught how to think you are not encouraged to think for yourself. Um, and it's very much like bought and paid for, sorry, I'm going to say it food industry pharmaceutical industry, corporate medicine, health insurance, all together. And it's basically like the food industry makes us sick. And then the pharmaceutical industry makes us a repeat customer. And then the corporate healthcare system um, makes a profit off of it. And guess who at the end of the day is like, but I'm doing all the things they told me to do. And I still am not feeling better. And ching. I mean, that's like, that is where I feel like the healthcare system is going wrong personally. So what is it like? I, again, I'm like how you, you lasted 15 years where you're at blows my mind. You were straight fire. I love it. Bring it. I am literally giving Amanda clapping. Uh, what are these reactions <laughs> on zoom as she's talking? Cause I'm like, no one can see it, but I'm so into this. Yeah. But there's it's- a different way. And you said something so beautiful before we got on the air. And I was like, what are we talking about? We didn't even really plan. I was like, we just need to talk and bring this message. And I would love for you to articulate it to the people listening who want better for themselves as providers, nurses, practitioners, and people and patients. Mm, That gives me goosebumps. Um, I, I think the biggest thing at the end of the day is in my biggest mission is I just want people to know there's a different way, whether you're a patient or a provider, which Uh, hello, as providers, we're also patients, aren't we? Um, And I just, I want people to know that there's a different way. And I think I mentioned this earlier, um, but 
you know, we're gaslighted a lot and, and we're kind of like, if you ever think outside of the box, um, that's not supported much. And so, um, you know, when you, when you're like me and you, where we actually, our goal is to get people healthy and keep them healthy, that doesn't make money in the healthcare system. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't. And, you know, I hear from patients every day. They're like, why wouldn't my insurance just cover this or that? You know, what, don't they want to not pay more when I'm actually diabetic? Like that's going to cost them more money. It doesn't, it, no, it doesn't work that way because they are still making money off of that. Yes. And they have made deals with the pharmaceutical industry. Have you ever like been on a medication as, for patients, been on a medication, you were doing great on it. And then all of a sudden you just, it's declined. And you're like, what the heck? I was on this for like three years. And then it's all of a sudden not a covered medication anymore. And that's just because they made some deal with another one, you know? And so at the end of the day, like they don't care about your health. Um, it's a business. It's a business. Healthcare, even the most, I won't name names, but the most, the help, the hospitals who are for the kids who are supposed to be the most like philanthropic, say the word for me, philanthropic. Philanthropic, that's how I would philanthropic. say yes. <laughs> organizations, they're a business at the end of the day and their bottom line, I promise you means more than your health or your family's health. Yeah. And it's really sad. And, you know, it isn't the providers in the system. And I, um, as I, you know, for the last four months, since I made this decision and let my practice know, and, and I was just, I've been so shocked at how supportive everybody has been. Um, because let me tell you, everybody's burnt out. So I have had a lot of people reach out, like, what are you doing? Where are you going? You know, it's like planting the seed for a lot. And just like teachers are leaving teaching and, and I know two positions that just up and quit their jobs are like, we're not doing this anymore. Um, I mean, this is happening everywhere. Um, but you know, it, it isn't about health at the end of the day. And, um, and that's, it's really sad, but it's not a conscious thing. It's how the system is set up. So when I talk to, um, patients about it, you know, I say, this isn't my practice, you know, as the issue, this isn't the corporate healthcare system I've been a part of as the issue. This is a system issue and the system is set up to move people in and move people out. And so the business model of a health insurance-based system is we can only make money when a patient's sitting on the table. So what do we do? Inherently, we get them on the table. It's not a conscious thing like, oh, I am going to just get my schedule busy so I can just keep making money. As nurse Mm -hmm. practitioners, we don't make money that way anyways, right? Usually we're salaried. and, um, And so that's the business model. And so there's a lot of things that you could do through zoom, as long as it's HIPAA compliant or, you know, through email or through a quick phone call, like for reviewing labs or reviewing, uh, refilling a medication, but we can't make money that way. And, and that's not a bad thing. You know, whatever your job is, whoever's listening, whatever your job is, like, you don't want to do your job for free too. Right. And so it's, it's the, that's the business model. And so in the practice that I'm going into direct primary care, the business model is you're paying a monthly membership. And so you have access to me and we get to decide now, like you have the power as a patient. I have the power as a provider. We're going to meet however long we want, wherever we want. We can talk about whatever the hell we want instead of only being <laughs> yes. able to talk about one thing at the visit and then, okay, well, you have to come back, you know? Um, and so we take that power back again. And that is the part that appeals to me so much. Um, because so much in this healthcare system 
we have lost our autonomy. Um, we lost our autonomy over our body and what we feel like should go in it and on it and, and all of that. And as providers, we've, we've lost autonomy for saying, listen, this is what I went to school with. This is what I feel like you need. Never mind what the insurance company is going to do, you know? So, um, I mean, we could do like a series of 10 podcasts about what is wrong <laughs> with the healthcare system, but I just want to make it clear that, um, my colleagues and, you know, these doctors that I've worked with and nurse practitioners for so long, like it's not a conscious thing. They aren't consciously doing this. This is how the system is set up. And the practitioners, the providers, they're good people. We yep. doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners are good people. They went to school because they want to help you. And there are beautiful hero stories within medicine. Some of my best friends, some of the greatest people I've ever met have worked in a traditional system, really helping people. We need both really. Like what I like to say, if I get in a car accident and I cut my arm off, don't, don't take me to DPC functional medicine. Right. I mean, you I don't, don't want me for that. I promise you don't like, you don't want yeah. me either. Like I'm, I'm not going to be able to help you. I don't yeah. need a muscle test to tell me or an intensive blood work panel to tell me that your arm is dangling and you need it surgically repaired, but it's become an equal and the people in the system are not bad. They went to school because they want to help someone. They're working their jobs because they love helping people, changing lives and feeding their family. They're really good people. And on another note, Amanda, so that was lighting me up. And then you're talking about this DPC, direct primary care. Tell me about your evolution and understanding your awakening to DPC and what, like what you're stepping into. It's a huge success, what you've created in the last few months. Yeah, it's, it's shocking to me. And as scary as it's been, because, you know, I mentioned like usually as an NP, I've been salaried. So I've just got my same paycheck every two weeks. And, you know, it didn't matter how many patients I saw or like, I just went to work and took care of people and I came home and, you know, I was on call and would have um, like weekend urgent care shifts and all of that. But um, it, it was just, it was different and, but it wasn't serving me. And I just had this large group of patients that I felt like I wasn't serving well. And it wasn't because I didn't want to, you know, um, we don't have enough time. Um, time is like probably one of the biggest factors. Um, and I remember on my first day of nursing school, what, like 17 ish years ago, um, one of my instructors said, um, re always remember this. And I have, and it sticks with me literally every single day. If you just listen to a patient long enough, they will tell you what's wrong with them. Yeah. Well, in this system, we don't have that you know, you're in a 20 minute visit. It takes my nurse probably eight minutes to check you in. And then I get in there and then, Oh, by the time we like get to chatting, the next one's ready. You know, it's the system isn't set up that way. And so, um, for direct primary care though, I will actually, and this isn't just because we're doing a podcast together. I will <laughs> say that you were a big part of that for me because when I did, I think we only did two business coaching sessions when I reached out to you last year, mm -hmm. but um, you were like, oh, so you're going to do DPC? And I was like, huh, what's DPC? Like, I've never even heard of that. And that is the way that it's supposed to be that none of us know that there's a different, whole different realm of medicine that we could be practicing that would make us as providers happier and patients happier um, because they just want us to feel like we, this is the only way, right? Um, and so you, I went home and I was like, Googling, what is direct primary care? Like, what the hell was this girl talking about? And I came upon this podcast. It's called my DPC story. 
And I don't know, there's probably like 150 episodes and it's all physicians and it talks about why they left healthcare and what they're doing. And I was like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. And in the practice I'm going to Gillette health, um, Dr. Gillette and I worked together at our, um, at our practice for probably about two years. And we're both on the younger side and we're like, we can't do this for another 15 or 20 years. Like this is not going to work. It's only gotten worse. I've been doing it longer than him, you know? Um, and, uh, I was like, I can't do this. And he's like, I can't do this. And so (laughs) he, um, he started his practice, um, last September. And that was like one of our first business coaching. I was like, oh my gosh, like nurse practitioners did gain full practice authority. Do I want to go on my own? Do I want to like, what do I want to do? And for me, collaboration is really important. And, um, you know, I am really grateful that nurse practitioners gain full practice authority. I can't say that I would ever want to be out on my own. Um, and it isn't just that, like, I feel like I have to have a physician with me, but, um, it, it, I, I feel com- more comfortable that way. And, and I like, you know, popping down the hall and saying, Hey, what do you think about this? Um, you know, and collaborating in that way. So that's why I chose to go with Dr. Gillette. And that has been, gosh, like it's been crazy how it's evolved the last couple months. Yeah. You, what you're creating is incredible. And this direct primary care allows, so let's break it down for those who are like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So if you are going to your physician or nurse practitioner and you feel like you're limited on your time, your treatment options, your access to them, you're frustrated with billing and insurance, you're just feeling like, gosh, there's got to be a different way. There is. It's called direct primary care. There are plenty of, of practitioners who are in this model, and it does mean you pay out of pocket. But there's a couple different models of direct primary care. And Amanda, she is operating with Dr. Gillette in one fantastic model that makes it for family practice a little bit more affordable. You pay a membership fee, you're paying out of pocket, but you're getting stellar care. And then with specialties, I work in more of like an autoimmune chronic illness, women's hormone setting, you are paying premium for that. And I'm going to reiterate a post that I made the other day for those listening. Why? First of all, why do you have to pay out of pocket for your medical expenses? And second of all, why is functional medicine so expensive depending on the model that you're in? You get what you pay for. Mm -hmm. And with insurance, if you want to wait two hours, be seen for 10 minutes, be given option A, pill, or option B, surgery, there's nothing wrong with that. If that model works for you, keep going because there will always be a system for that. If that model doesn't work for you and you want to explore deeper or you want a practitioner who knows your family, who knows your story, who can have time to listen, because I promise you, you know more about your body than anyone else. And then you want to look into independent practitioners. They also don't have to practice under the algorithm and the requirements like insurance. When I went out on my own, I have a little bit of a different setup than a DPC, but it started that way. I was like, I can't do what insurance wants me to do. For people, mm-hmm. it is not within my like code of ethics and what I believe in to prescribe and do the formulas that insurance want. And so you you pay for something different. But here's what's funny: when we get our healthcare needs met, when we start actually healing and getting better, you don't need so high of insurance. I barely pay anything for insurance because I'm not sick. I don't need healthcare. Let's say I wasn't right. even a practitioner, like, or I couldn't call my friend Amanda and be like, "Help me," you know, yeah. I, need I need this, I need that. 
when you're well, you only really need disaster insurance. This is not medical or legal advice, but I'm, t- I'm breaking down the system. You need insurance because you're sick. They keep you in the system for a reason. And I'm and like feeling it she has wise words to say on this. So I'm going to pause. Yeah, I, um, I use the example in this situation. I'm so glad it led to this um, topic because I talk about this a lot every day. Um, it's getting medicine back to its grassroots. Um, and it is more like car insurance or homeowner's insurance. So think about that for a second. Your car insurance has no merit on what you do with your car every day. You can pick the gas you want in it. You can decide when you're going to change your tires, if you're going to do oil changes, or maybe if you're not going to do oil changes, you're the one that pays at the end of the day, right? Same with homeowner's insurance. It, it has no place in the daily upkeep of your house or your car. So why then does health insurance have any place in my daily health? How I choose to take care of myself. We really should only be using our insurance like we do with our car insurance and our homeowner's insurance when there's an emergency or when there's a high ticket cost for something. And so here we are, insurance is telling us what meds we can be on. They can tell us when and how we're going to meet with our provider. They're telling us you know, they have too much control over my body. Mm-hmm. And guess what? They don't care about my body. So mm-hmm. why do they have any control over it? And it all is about money at the end of the day. And so um, in this model, we are taking back our power and autonomy again. And it is, um, it is the best feeling I can tell you. I can feel people listening to this in a moment in the future. They're like, burn it down, burn it down. Don't, please don't set anything on fire. Please no, get no, don't set no, anything on no. fire. <laughs> and you know, this whole transition, I mean, this is like a little bit off topic, but I think it is worth speaking yeah. about because anybody who is listening could be in a situation. It doesn't have to be in medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they could be, I, I honestly... I don't know if we should do a trigger warning for this or not, but, you know, I liken this to like an abusive relationship. Um, it is like, you know, deep down, like there's probably something better out there for me. Like, um, this isn't working. This is so dysfunctional, but it's all, you know, it puts a roof over your head. It pays your bills. Maybe there's some people there that you love. And it's like your work family that like keeps you coming back or it's your patients or your clients or whatever it is that you're doing that keeps you coming back. Um, and, and, and in this day and age, like we are get up, go to work, come home, maybe have an hour and a half or two hours, but you're probably doing things for everybody else. And then you're going to bed and you're waking up to do it again. Who has time to go out and date somebody else or like, see that something else is better for them out there. And so it's very much like an abusive relationship. And so it is terrifying to think that I'm leaving my comfort zone and my family that I have been with for 15 years. Like I always tell people, like, I will never forget where I came from. Like, these are my friends, my family, um, everything that I have learned in the last 15 years started with them and their support. And so, um, as dysfunctional as the system is, it's all I've ever known. And so to be the one that's like, quote, the black sheep or the one that thinks differently or thinks outside of the box, I have spent a lot of tears on this subject because for a long time, I didn't want people to think I was crazy. I didn't want people to think that I was doing this differently. And these are people that I respected. Um, and I respected what they thought of me. And it wasn't until probably I'm serious. Like it was around Thanksgiving in 2022. So what about five ish months ago, 
And I was like, it just clicked one day. I was like, why do I care so much about what these people are going to say about me or think about me leaving the system? We don't even think the same. So why do I care what they think? Like we aren't even on the same level. So why do I care? And that was the thing that really just like pushed me, like I'm doing this. And, um, and it's been scary. There have been days like, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my house. Um, like I am going to have to go get three jobs. Like it has been terrifying, but I really do believe that when you are doing things in alignment, you're always supported and And I'm doing it for the right reason. Uh, reasons. Um, I'm doing it not to go make a crap ton of money. Cause it's not going to be like that, especially not, not for a while. Um, I'm doing it because it's what I really believe in. And, um, it's going to take those of us that are like coming around to like seeing what's going on to be like, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to go do this differently. We're going to do this better. And, um, and so that's scary, but like I said, that's not just in medicine. That could be anybody in any industry. Right. And for the nurses and the healthcare professionals and the doctors who are listening, I took a big pay cut when I stepped into the work that my soul like would not leave me alone. And now mm-hmm. after several years, it's a blessing and so beautiful what I'm able to provide and bring in for my family and my future and just be like at this really awesome place financially. But it did not start that way. Mm-hmm. And so if you are looking at the roof over your head, the dysfunction that you're in, like that relationship analogy, it is so scary. You're literally like, I might die if I do this. And yeah, I would have visions all the time. One of my favorite ones is like, Jen, get out of the boat. Jesus is standing on the water and he's like, get out of the boat. And it was just this vision that was like coming. And I'm like, have you seen those waves? I have seen those (laughs) waves. And he was like, get out of the boat, got out of the boat. And, and what's really beautiful is later on in my life, like after a couple of years, that same vision came back to me and we were walking up to the shores and I looked back and that boat capsized. What I was trying to stay in was going to drown me. And I don't know, it was right before the pandemic that I got out and I would not have lasted. And what's really hard as women is our DNA remembers what the women before us have been through. And women who were doing things differently, it used to be, you would see, you know, the herbalist woman in the woods and she was called a witch and no one liked her because the system was set up to say, these people are bad when really these were the people that are going to help your family members survive. And if you got caught seeing her, you were in trouble too. And like our bodies remember that. So I went through this whole visceral reaction. It still comes up even in front of, you know, I'm defending my doctorate project in front of like mainstream medical people. And I'm like hitting, I'm like, I got to wear black. I'm drenched because something in my body is like, I remember what happened to me or happened to my grandmothers and their grandmothers when we were different. And so I just want to acknowledge that. And other people who are like, even as a, a person or a patient, you're not medical and you want to do something different. It's scary. And there's a reason for it, but you are safe. This isn't 1870. It's not even 1980 anymore. And there still were inequities. Like you're safe. It's just, you're going to feel like you're going to die when you do something different. And, and it's true. And you know, the boat capsizing is a perfect analogy because this this, the way it's being done, it is not sustainable. It's not sustainable for patients. Everybody's just getting sicker and it's not sustainable for providers because 
it's exhausting. Um, more than half of my job every day in the corporate healthcare system isn't even taking care of patients. It's paperwork. It's dealing with insurance companies. It's coding. Yeah. It's billing. It's um, you know figuring out what's covered. It's doing prior authorizations. It <laughs> is doing um, appeals because a prior authorization was denied. And all it is is it's just busy work to see if someone's going to actually jump through the hoops. Yeah. And most days I don't have time. And sometimes I have to decide, you know, this just happened a couple of weeks ago. I got into clinic. I'm, I've always been off on Mondays. Um, and then I just worked like Tuesday through Friday. And um, I went to go see one of my best friends. Um, she's battling stage four cancer. And so I went to go see her. And so I was gone two business days. Okay. Um, I got in, I had 37 messages from patients. I had 130 labs in my lab review bin. Ooh. I had 18 patients on my schedule that day. Oh, wow. um, and I'm behind, you know, from even before leaving. I had six of those messages were patients like begging to get worked in mm -hmm. because they needed something. And um, how is that sustainable? How can I take care of people the way that they deserve? How can I preserve my mental health and my physical health? Um, I get there early. I leave late. Um, I'm constantly behind and I'm constantly feeling like I'm not doing enough for these people that trust me, you know, like the, the position that I'm in is I take that very seriously. Like yeah. we literally have people's lives in our hands mm -hmm. and that doesn't matter. Numbers matter. I'm, and yes, oh. Like I'm it just, so I got goosebumps so many times saying that because it's just, it's not sustainable and it's not what's best for people. Hey, I'm interrupting the podcast real quick for an overshare moment. I hope you don't mind a little bit of TMI. So up until several months ago, I didn't wash my face. I know it's gross. A little infrared sauna, a little shower water is what my skincare regimen consisted of. I was sick and tired of all these quote unquote clean beauty line lies. Products claiming to be clean, yet my skin always knew the difference and showed the irritation. Then on a whim, I met Kathy and Jamie, the angel owners of Free Girl Skincare. I admittedly told them my little secret and they decided to help me out. And ever since then, I wash my face two times a day, baby steps, right? With the kind hearted cleansing milk, the Faithful Anti-Acne Serum, and their Vitamin C Moisturizer that works miracles. They even have an anti-wrinkle eye cream I love for those little crow's feet starting to show up in my early 30s, and this gel mask that you can sleep with on your face, and I love it. I've noticed brighter skin, less fine lines, and I can wear makeup more because the makeup actually comes off my face now. I know, shocker. I want this for you too and I want you to ditch those toxic products making your skin sick. So head over to freegirlskincare.com and enter the code LOVEGEN, L-O-V-E-J-E-N, 1515 for 15% off your purchase. And something that when you said 18 patients in a day, if I see that on my schedule, I know this is like, it's, it's, a, it's showing the evolution, but if I see that on my schedule in a week, I'm like, whoa, wow. Because what I've learned, and this can look different, I spend an hour plus like unlimited access to with a with a client, a common client, in this point in my journey. 
And the more people I serve or the more energy I'm giving out, the less potent I am. So what I've done is, and there's all different structures. I don't want you to hear if you see someone in DPC and they have 10 patients on their schedule in a day, like they're not going to be effective. That's not, they're probably coming somewhere where they're seeing 45 and they have a, a really, really strong threshold, but like the less people I see, the more effective I am in serving them. And yes, again, it's going to cost you more money because I'm going to see a couple of people in a day. And in those hours that I'm with them, I'm like nothing. I mean, my phone's on airplane, like my family doesn't come across my mind. I'm like, I am all in with you. And I'm right here mm-hmm. versus I know when I worked in the hospital and I worked in the system, I was like, wait, what's my patient's name again? Who is this? Like, what are they talking about? Trying to like read through my notes, get the report to know what's going on. What, what are their meds? Like, and I was just like, I can't do it anymore. That doesn't work yeah. for me. And so, yeah, and, and, you know, um, it, in regards to quote, doing functional medicine, which I definitely think we, we should chat about too, but, um, you know, I don't understand why medicine isn't just medicine. Um, why do we have a genre of medicine that's called functional medicine, which I don't love that term anyways, but we have to use it because that's what people understand that as, but why isn't all medicine getting down to the root cause? Mm. Like, why isn't it just called medicine? And so the, the fact that we have all of these different like genres of medicine, that basically is like, let's figure out what's wrong with you and then fix that instead of just give you a pill. Um, I just like, why is that so taboo? Um, at Gillette Health, we decided not to call it functional medicine because there are a lot of functional medicine providers that are just out doing the same cookie cutter thing, but they give you supplements instead of prescriptions and everybody does the same test and everybody's on the same protocols and it's just the same cookie cutter. And, you know, there are a lot of providers that are doing it that probably don't have any business doing it, you know? And so we, we decided to call it individualized medicine and we feel like we use the terms functional, like it's going to be like on our website because that's what people are searching for when they're jaded and fed up with the traditional healthcare system. Um, but individualized medicine is what we really have went with because every single person is different Mm -hmm. and yes, we're going to all have some commonalities and that's why we end up being good at what we're doing because we've seen this person that has this and this person. And, you know, like you, you, you bring that into your practice, but it's individualized. And so that I just, I don't understand why that is so taboo. I'm so glad you said that because functional medicine has literally turned into allopathic medicine with Birkenstocks. Like, oh, just here's a supplement. I just, mm-hmm. instead of it going through insurance, you actually just pay me and it's some herbs and I'm going to tell you it's going to fix you, but it's not going to fix you. And yeah. we're, we're all sick of that. I think, so I get it when you're as a person and as a patient you're out there and you're like, oh, I can't trust anything or anyone. Do you feel like someone's listening to you? Do you feel like you are being heard? because I will tell you this and Amanda will too, you know, the most Mm -hmm. about your body. You might not know exactly like what test to order or, you know, what foods you need for this or what exactly going on, but you know how you feel, you know, that something's wrong. And nine times out of 10, you can tell us what you need to do. You might just not know how to get there. It's like, if you're struggling with your money, I know I need to make more money and I know I need to save. well, I don't know how to get there. So you see a financial advisor. Right. And, you know, our job is to put the pieces together and maybe ask you a question you hadn't thought of, or, you know, you know how it is in functional or individualized medicine. I mean, we're literally going back to when you were in utero, how was your mom's pregnancy? Like what happened at delivery? 
how, what was your life like as a child? Like our goal is to figure out like what triggered this and when, and that is where the true healing comes from. Because listen, I can heal somebody's thyroid. I can help heal their gut. If they aren't doing the inner work Mm -hmm. and they aren't really dealing with that energetic component, it doesn't matter what we do in that office. Like the, you know, and, and again, this system doesn't set you up for that. It doesn't empower you to take ownership and, um, and know, like at the end of the day, like this is, this is on you, you know? And, um, like if you want to get better, then let's help you get better. And it's not that way. Um, you know, there, you hear this all the time that, you know, they're trying to make it go to like, you know, if a patient gets an infection after surgery, then, you know, then the surgeon doesn't get, there's, you know, all different models of that for insurance, but um, at the end of the day, like it's the patient is the driver of their healthcare. And that is, that's a big thing for a patient to wrap their head around. You know, it's like, you're becoming an adult again. You're like, oh my gosh, what? I like, this is my responsibility. You know, we've given our power away for so long. It's really scary for us to take it back to Mm -hmm. say that no one or nothing is going to save you. I heard a spiritual teacher tell me, way before I understood what was going on in my own physical body. He said, Jen, every physical and insert the word medical issue is actually a spiritual root cause problem. Like at the root, it's a spiritual problem. It's an energy problem. And it is like, if you have a practitioner, who's just like, your diet has to be this, this perfect, this only in these parameters all the time, this supplement, and you have to see me every four to eight weeks, or you're not going to be okay. Like they are still holding the power from you and you will not get well. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But Amanda, how many times do you see, we're saying this to encourage you. If you find yourself in this state, like people don't want to take the authority back. They don't want to take their power back and they don't want to get well. Yeah. Um, the system really, Gosh, and this is probably like kind of pushing it, saying it too. And I'm really, I'm really trying to open Push up and, and say the things that I really want to say it. because, um, but, but that's how like we are to be in society is to, um, feel like we can't do it on our own and feel like we can't question anything. And that's, I mean, all of us, right. Um, when you're dependent on these very large entities, then that's how it, that's how they want it. And so, um, that's with your health and that's with, that's with everything. And so, um, it is scary and we've been beaten down for a really long time to feel like we can't do it on our own, you know? Um, and so, yeah, that's scary. And if you think about, so my parents are in retirement and luckily, thank God, my dad is in a night and day difference than he was a year ago. I talk about a story a lot and I will do a full episode on it. I'll have him on. It'll be hilarious, but I'll have him on. Um, but here's through his journey. I'm like, okay, people go to work. They work 40 to 60 hours a week, which is trashing their body. Mm-hmm. They're burnt out, which is making them sick. They're relying on whether it's food, drugs, other kinds of addictions, sexual addictions, whatever it may be, that's further making them unwell. They have to stay in their job to afford the insurance they need for their health care to treat their ailments. They retire. They're on so much medication and need so much medical intervention. Now their retirement is going back into the system. It's a self-perpetuating system. Mm-hmm. And, and so how do you unplug from that? Or how do you get out of, like Amanda said, the abusive relationship? 
one, it just starts with awakening. Like what is going on? Looking around, you don't have to leave. You just, okay, I'm seeing that there's some dysfunction. How am I feeling? What are my options? How can, what is the first thing I think about being plugged into a power socket that's shocking you? Can you grab that cord and rip it out with mm-hmm. a plan? What are your thoughts, Amanda? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think if you're listening and, and it's resonating, I think the first thing to do is just say direct primary care in my area. I mean, yeah. that really is the model that I think people are going to be really, really happy with, you know, um, as I've been doing a lot of research and let me tell you the last few months, I'm like, just stalking all of these sites. Like, how are they doing it? How are these people doing it? Like, how do I want, I remember that was one of your exercises in the first um, time we met was like, what's your like dream day look like? And let's build your schedule around that. And I've done that exact thing. You know, I start clinic right now at seven 30 in the morning. And if I'm going to work out, it better be at like four 50 so that I can work (laughs) out. Right. And you know, so, I mean, I'm starting my schedule at eight now and I'm going to work out. I'm going to make myself some breakfast. I'm going to ground. I'm going to take care of myself so that I can then go take care of other people. Um, And so, um, but yeah, I think that, you know, finding direct primary care in your area is going to be going to be something that's really powerful for you. There are going, they're going to be everywhere. Um, Hint is one of um, the companies. They put out a lot of data. Um, They are like a software company and um, uh, their numbers that came out in 2021 said in three years, um, the model grew 241%. So like originally it was in 20 states and now it's in over 40 states and the number of providers has grown astronomically and patients that are seeking that out. And so in the Kansas City area, there are plenty of direct primary cares. Most of them are on waiting lists because once patients get into that model, there's not a lot of turnover because they love it, you know, and I'm going from a practice where I have over 2000 patients on my panel. The average is about 2000 to 5,000 for a primary care provider in the healthcare system. So I'm going with over 2000. It's actually really hard for me to completely gauge it because Um, insurance companies do not allow a nurse practitioner to be the primary care provider. So it's hard to track down most of my patients. They've only ever seen me. They're still under one of the doctors. Um, And so, but yeah, over 2000 patients and in my current clinic, and I've been very open about this is I'm capping it at 400. Like, that's what I feel like I need to pay my bills. That's what I feel like I can manage. Um, that's where I feel like I can go out and do outreach and some of the things that I really love because I love to teach and I want to do retreats and all of that kind of stuff. And so, um, for a patient that is, um, that's a really big asset because you're not fighting with 2000 other patients just to get a phone call back from me about your question today, mm-hmm. or to get your kiddo in that has a fever of one-on-one and, and strep throat. Um, you know, usually you're going to go to an urgent care because if you call same day, rarely are you going to be able to get to see your provider. And so accessibility is probably one of the biggest perks for a patient. And then again, taking that autonomy back and being able to talk about your health and what we want to do for you. Um, those I would say are probably the two biggest, um, perks on on why a patient would want to do that. And find your, your frequency match. If you're not in the KC area or in like two days from now, when Amanda's practice is completely full, hurry if you're not <laughs> on the list, um, cause it will be, you are going to work with people and be like, okay, I got in, I was seen, um, 
they didn't really like light me up or inspire me. That's okay. You can go to someone new. You can go to someone different, find your frequency match. I can't tell you how many times in my own functional medicine journey or individualized medicine journey, I was seeing people who were the experts and had all these accolades and all these other people had great success with them, but they did not work and resonate with me. And I spent lots of time, lots of money and lots of self, I would say like betrayal in a way of just like going to them thinking, I just need to give it more time or something. When, if you're not driving, like there's somebody else out there who is a frequency match for you. It's kind of like dating. So date mm-hmm. to find your practitioner. Um, if you're not already on Amanda's list, you probably should hurry and I'll make sure her information. Um, I don't know it yet, but I will get it and I will put it in the show notes. It's crazy. Um, it's been really humbling. I feel like too, of, um, you know, I'm, I, I am. So next week. I will be starting full-time at my practice. So this has been about three and a half months mm-hmm. and I'm almost half full. It's amazing. And that's just People patients that it, there, it resonates with them. I mean, what? even the patients and I'll, I'll be the first one to say this, Jen, I say this to patients every day. Like it's not a model for everybody. And like you already said, if this is working for you, keep doing it. I yeah. have great docs that I work with. I've given great referrals to my friends that I trust, you know? So if it's working, keep doing it. You know, there are people who, you know, their employer pays for their healthcare and, uh, and they're overall healthy and they're seen like once a year. And yeah. so maybe it doesn't make sense for them. That's okay. You know, Let's break down who individualized medicine is for and who maybe it may not be for you have to find yourself in this spectrum yeah. and in this lens. We're not here to tell you what you can and cannot do, but for me, I see the individualized medicine, people who aren't satisfied, they want more answers and they, their goal is thriving over surviving. They want mm-hmm. optimal lab ranges. They want optimal health. They want to reverse conditions. They've been told like autoimmune chronic illness, they cannot reverse. And then for really, it's probably not your fit. If you're like, I do want to stay on medication. I'm satisfied with my current level of care. And I'm good with where I'm at. And I don't really want to rock the boat. Amanda, what are your, you have another lens? Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, if you aren't ready to make some lifestyle changes, um, there's barriers for all of us. Like nobody is just ready to get up and just do their life completely different tomorrow. And they're going to be perfect at it. Absolutely not. But I mean, you know, this too, Jen, even when someone is feeling very poorly, it feels like health is so far away and, mm-hmm. and uh, you're on the sinking ship and like somebody has to help me because there is something seriously wrong. And then when I start saying, so how are your bowels and, and what are you eating? And are you moving your body? And you know, what's your friend circle look like? What's your relationship? What's your career? Yada, yada, yada. And you start to hear, you know, just really, really unhealthy, you know, lifestyles. Mm-hmm at the end of the day, like you're not going to get to health with those things. And so you really need to be ready. And there actually, I just had this situation last week where I worked with this mom. I mean, her gut was a mess. She is like a night and day different person. Mm. Um, she had rashes for years, you know, I could just go on and on about her, but she wanted to get her daughter in with me. Her daughter is 18. She's a freshman at Case state you know, and I, I brought her in. And so we started talking about it and 
she's, you know, moving into sorority houses next year and she's living off of dorm food. And Mm -hmm. when I asked her the question, like, you know, if we found out that you needed to, to do like six months of a, of a gut protocol, would you be able to? And she said, no. And I said, well, then you're not ready for it. That's not bad. Yeah. You know, um, but don't waste your mom's money. on this. And I said it to mom, don't waste your money on her. I get it. A mom of a teenager, you have all the things you want them to do, but so it isn't for everybody and that's okay. You know, I always say there isn't one way that's better than another. I mean, I, I'm a little biased. I, I do think finding the root cause of something is probably better, but it's not, it's not what's best for everybody at every part in their life, you know? And sometimes people just have to get sick enough to really like hit that rock bottom and be like, I don't want to wake up another day like this. I need you to help me. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. You know? And we, we usually do little things, you know, it's the little things that matter. It's 20% of your efforts that produce 80% of your results. Most of us think we got to be 80 to hundred percent in it. Perfect to get, no, it's 20%. I say your body's asking for a C plus every day. That's all it's asking for. Remember that in nursing school, you just had to get a C plus to pass. And then I'm sure people like Amanda and I were like, but a 99 is really great. And um, by the way, that question was not appropriate. You didn't write that. Challenge the test. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think we're the same in that way. Um, But yeah, so it's, yeah, it's, it's not, it's not for everybody. I think that that there's value in it for everybody. I had a situation last week that I feel like is, is a good representation of it. I had this gal and I love her. I've seen her for a few years. We have a great rapport together. And she said, Amanda, I just, I need you to make it make sense for me. Like I see you once a year and you know, like my employer pays for all of my healthcare for her and her family, which that's a unicorn. Let me tell you. Yeah. And she's like, so why would I? And and I said to her, because I'm a blunt person, you're, you're I'm a a fire, like girl. it is person. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, okay, well, I see you with your venti Starbucks and, um, I, I've seen your health be getting poorer and poorer each year. You do only see me once a year, which is great. Um, but I was like, this, frankly, this system isn't working for you. And, um, I, I think you're a great candidate for it. And because you don't pay a penny, you definitely yeah. have the money oh my to gosh. do it if you want. So yeah. it's again, it's in your values and it wasn't in her values, you know, and, and that's of, okay. For the financial piece, a lot of HSA and FSAs will pay for things. I mean, they'll pay for my services. They'll pay for a lot of DBCs. You can find a way to see Amanda. They'll pay for some of your testing. Like there yeah. are, they will not pay for a membership, which is kind of like a thing that we're trying to change in the system. The insurance companies, of course, kind of flowered the language like, it's an insurance premium, a monthly DPC membership. It is not. I still advise everybody to have a form of insurance. We all need it. Yep. Yep. Um, if you reach out to me too, I have an insurance broker in the Kansas City area. She's amazing. And she really helps people with finding a good plan that could match for them. Um, mm-hmm. And so for a lot of my patients come open enrollment, they're going to take their insurance you know, premiums down and then that will more than pay for a DPC membership, which for most people is yes. between 80 and a hundred dollars a month, which all your healthcare is included in that. That is so um, cool. Like we think about what you're buying that's working against you and just yeah. transition those dollars into yeah. a DPC fund. If it's in your values, you will be able to make it work. I promise you. And, and I, I felt really strongly about that. I mean, I definitely under, under shot my prices, 
from some of the DPCs in the area. I felt like I wanted to do that at least starting out for the first couple of years because I wanted to grow this like-minded community. It takes yeah. people to like, I'm just going to jump out in faith here and try something new. Um, and I feel like once they get in the system, they're going to like it. Yeah. Um, but back to the HSA thing, um, they flowered it to where just like you couldn't use your HSA to pay an insurance premium, they won't let you pay a DPC membership. There have been a couple states that have lobbied enough to get that change. And we're hoping that'll be the case in Kansas in the future. But, yeah. um, but you could still, like you said, use it for labs. And so in direct primary care also, let's say you have really good insurance. Um, we can run your labs through your insurance, mm -hmm. x-rays, imaging, your mammograms. When you come in to do your pap smear, um, that can all go through your insurance. So really all you're paying for is that membership to have access to me whenever you need it. Mm -hmm. Same day, next day appointments, which is like unheard of in the traditional mm -hmm. healthcare system with your provider, not in urgent care. Um, and, um, and so it, it, it is affordable if it's something that you feel like is strongly, and it's very affordable for families and my practice specifically, um, kids that are signed up with an adult because I love pediatrics and I, I just love family care, um, earn only 20 bucks a month. That's like, it's free. Okay. So a family of four, both parents can get a membership for DPC for around 150 bucks a month. And I'm going to be honest as someone that loves seeing Amanda thrive. If you're catching this episode at a later date, like way later, her practice is probably full and her prices have gone up and she has a waiting list and you can't be mad because you get what you pay for it. And she's amazing. Amanda, where- I appreciate that. And and I, I don't, I guess I wasn't planning to go in depth as that because that will change in the future. So obviously, yes. So yeah. don't quote on prices, but the point is it's cheaper than your freaking cell phone. Yeah. And even and in five years, it's still going to be cheaper than your cell phone. And when so. you're healthy, you don't need uh, that expensive insurance premium. No, you don't. And you how don't. do people find you and get a hold of you and say, please help me <laughs> and please connect me with your insurance broker and get my kids in? Yeah. How can they flood your system? Okay. So GilletteHealth.com. B-I-L-L-E-T-T. -L -L -E -T, no E on the end. That's Dr. Gillette. Um, his practice that I joined. And so GilletteHealth.com, that's where you can find like, what is DPC? What services do we offer? Because we, we are doing other things. Um, I didn't go into depth about, I am still doing functional individualized medicine. So I have patients that can see me in primary care, a monthly membership. They're pretty stable. They aren't needing deep dives on things. I can see patients, um, let's, I specialize in gut and thyroid. Um, and so they can do protocols and tracks for just that. Um, I do some aesthetics. I, um, I'm going to be leading retreats, all of that. So you can find, um, if you want to find out about our clinic, GilletteHealth.com. And then on my socials, I'm kind of crunchy NP. Um, and so we can link that there. And, um, and that's been really fun too. So. All right. Well, I want us to close with both one takeaway because I've learned a lot from this conversation and then something that you want the audience to take away, but I'm like really resonating with what you said about why does medicine have a genre? And I am somehow going to work that into my doctorate work. Cause I'm like literally Amanda having to defend alternative. It's crazy. <laughs> And at the same time, like, why is it that this is what I'm going to sit with? Like, why is it that one way of practicing has one name? And then why is it any different that 
I would go to have a surgery by another kind. I mean, yeah, there's surgery and then there's general medicine. This is obviously a new concept for me in my mind. I haven't sat with. And for practitioners, for just a second, don't feel bad about doing what you do if it's different than what we're talking about, because we need it all. Like, it's gracious. If you are an anesthesiologist and you're working in surgery or you're putting people on vents, like we need it all. What we're talking about for the most part is the primary care an aptitude in the system and how people are feeling. And now yeah, it's nothing to do with your value as a provider. If you have your heart in the right place, honestly, like I feel for you and uh, I did it for a long time. And um, I just, I want providers to be encouraged, you know, like this doesn't have to be your life. You know, they say in DPC on average that you're dealing with about one to 2% of your patients every day especially if you're doing good at your job and they're healthy. Um, and so there are days in direct primary care that I might not have a patient on my schedule and guess what? Now I can do some research. I can go do some outreach. I can check in on the sick family that I saw the day before that when I am go, go, go every day, I don't have the time or wherewithal to even think about yesterday, (laughs) you know, um, upstream, get people from falling in. So those who are working in the ICUs and the, and the surgery units, like, you don't have as many. You're not so overwhelmed. It's, yeah. a, it's a team effort. And I think, I think science and just as science changes, I mean, you know, science is one of those things where I, I like generally say like science is cool and it is really freaking cool. Um, mm-hmm. Science is very much manipulated as well. And so it's hard then- for people <laughs> to find good and accurate and unbiased information who paid for the study, who did the study, who I, I, we could just go, that's a whole nother podcast. We should do that one day. You um, are oh my gosh. a study, like clinical evidence is your body. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is the case. And for- one of the things of functional medicine too, you know, oh, it's not evidence-based. I call bullshit. It very much is. If you look at the levels of evidence, right? We got our hierarchy, right? What is at the very top? Anecdotal. Jen, do you see people that have just been sick for one day? No, you see people that have been sick for years and they have done everything else. Mm-hmm. So they've done everything that the system tells them that they should do. And so now we're at the point where it's like, well, let's try this or let's try that, you know? And so it is evidence-based. Yeah. And that really gets me fired up because I hate when I hear people say, oh, she's just doing voodoo witch doctor stuff over there. I'm like, oh no, I can pull out a study for most of the things that I do. Okay, so for this is going to be so many of our listeners who want 10 more episodes just in the comment form in the podcast, please tell us how much you love this episode, what you want us to come back on and talk about. There will be more, I promise. I can already feel it. And we're going to allow you to take this and digest it, sit with it, see where it leads you, see where it lands. So we'll have Amanda's website, her social media, how to get in touch with her linked on the podcast. We have all the resources that I can offer, ways to get in touch. Check out the show notes and definitely let us know how this episode has touched you. But remember, just as Amanda was saying in the beginning, like there is another way and you can have your medical care in the way you want it. So Amanda, thank you. Is there any last thing you want to say? No, thank you, Jen. It was fun. And I'm serious. We could talk on this for ever, forever. Thank you so much. Thank you.
How was that episode? Amanda is brilliant. She's bold. She's brave. She is a strong practitioner, a strong leader in the nursing community. And I'm so grateful for her time today. Just a reminder, while you are here, while you're here in this community, on this podcast with us, as we heal our body, we have a body that moves well, loves well, thinks well, and that is a body we want to be in for this life. And that is why we care about the quality of your healthcare. A body that is feeling well is a body that is living in alignment. A body that lives in alignment is a body that can carry out your precious soul's work here on earth. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. And it's time we all rise up together. If this podcast has resonated with you, if you feel excited, if you feel this is a message others need to hear, could you, one, please share it with a friend, text it, email it, get the word out, and two, subscribe and leave a review. I read every single one of the reviews. They mean the world to me, and you're helping me get this message to millions that need to hear it. Thank you for joining today, and we'll see you next week.